If I was going to have the mindset that I was just a victim of the circumstances and challenges that existed around the restaurant, then that was going to be a recipe for failure. I knew I had to be optimistic and see these challenges as opportunities rather than barriers. Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. As leaders, you have the ability to design and lead culture intentionally. Hear from culture leaders who are moving from a values list to values lived. Hey leaders, welcome back to the Build Your Culture Brand podcast. I have with me owner-operator Corey Kay. He is the Chick-fil-A owner-operator at Crossroads Town Center in Chandler, Arizona. That's a, kind of on that southeast side of Phoenix and enjoyed uh, being with his team and getting to know him. Welcome to the show, Corey. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. I'm delighted to be here. You have an amazing background history with Chick-fil-A. I know that, you know, we were talking earlier and you kind of right out of college, you had a, a dream of going overseas and doing some work around the world. And but you thought, you know, maybe we ought to pay off some debts first. So you started with a, a Chick-fil-A there in Pennsylvania. I believe it was with Sean Philby and he kind of took you under his wing. You worked for him and while you're there, you kind of fell in love with the brand. And then I guess would love to hear a little bit about your your five years in uh, as an owner operator on the East Coast. But then about three years ago, moved to this location in Phoenix. What uh, tell me a little bit about that decision to become an owner operator? What what was it that tipped the scale in in that direction? Yeah, thanks, Jay. You know, when I first met Sean, he was this bundle of energy and so excited and enthused to be opening a Chick-fil-A restaurant. He had a 20-year military career, and he actually flew me out to interview at his restaurant in Reading, Pennsylvania, where he was getting ready to open up. And it was such a neat experience. I was having trouble finding employment. A lot of my perspectives didn't want to hear that I was planning to leave and go overseas. I was pretty transparent and open about that. Wasn't necessarily interested in a long-term career. And so as Sean was comfortable with that, he was also super excited at the prospect of Chick-fil-A. And I think he represented the brand phenomenally well for me and just uh, allowed me a lot of freedom to learn and understand. And as I watched him, interact with the different people and how he treated me personally. It's like, I want to do this. I think I can. And I, and he believed in me and it really just spoke to my heart at the time. And I saw how the gifts and experience that the Lord had given me in life could be applied to this opportunity of becoming an owner operator. And, you know, in addition to Sean, I had the chance to read, Truett Cathy's books and just felt like he was speaking directly to me. And a lot of what he had to say really resonated and started that pursuit. I think initially I was kind of like, can I do this? Because I felt called to missions. And now I'm going to be in the business world. And the Lord did a lot of work on my heart and affirming this call in my life. And I'm super thrilled to see where he's brought me, what it, the challenges he's taken me through and to have the opportunity to own and operate a Chick-fil-A restaurant has been tremendous. Well, you know, it is interesting that, you know, how 
how our, our life choices kind of change in those moments. It's, it's fascinating though, the way you're, I mean, you're at the front lines of culture. You're really have this opportunity to have an impact on, on so many lives, people that work for you and then your community. So I see that in you, I see that, that heart that you really want to, you know, make a difference and, and see transformation in people, see people have those opportunities to grow and change. So I love, love how you do that with your team. Then, so you, we could talk a little bit about your time there, five years in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm sure there's some amazing stories, but where, where I got introduced to you was when you'd come to Chandler. And I think our listeners might be fascinated to hear that story because it was actually um, an existing location. You were coming in after another operator. It was a challenging location. So, you know, were, were there some kind of like, oh my goodness, what have I gotten into moments after you came? Or, you know, how did you work through those as you came to kind of take over an existing location? Yeah, appreciate that question. So for us, the move out to Phoenix was personal and it was about family relationships and support. My parents are just a couple miles from the restaurant that I now have and our huge support system to our family. And as I looked at my business that I had gotten to open back in 2015, it was excelling. We had tremendous growth each year. We opened in March of 2015 and we did 2.9 million through the end of the year. And fast forward to the end of 2019, our restaurant did just over 7 million that year at a 36% wow. growth mark. And it was the second time we had hit symbol at that restaurant. So experiencing a lot of success and the business was growing. Team was, I had this sense of inception. And so a lot of the business side of things were great. And I was loving what I was doing as an operator. Uh, so for me, as we looked at the potential of moving to be close to family and just really wanted this support system, I had to really do some inventory when it came to this particular opportunity. It was great in terms of proximity and location, but the operator was leaving because of the site constraints and had been pretty frustrated for a while just because of the in inhibitors to growth that existed, specifically around the ability to enter into the restaurant and exit uh, because we share a parking lot with In-N-Out Burger and their drive-through line backs up and blocks traffic, right. essentially. So it's kind of an upstream site constraint that you can't really do a ton about when it comes to that. So I think I had to go in eyes wide open and really willing to accept the challenges that were in front of us and to understand that we were going to have to look at this business a lot differently than my previous business. So in Pennsylvania, that store it was traditional in the sense of the drive-through was the cash cow. And if the drive-through ran well, the rest of the business was going to run well. And, you know, we were at 65 to 70% of our business through drive-through, whereas traditionally at Crossroads, because of the difficulties getting in and out, and often people can't even see where our drive-through line is. Are they in line wow. for in and out? Are they in line with us? You know, because of that, we're much closer to 50% drive-through. So we had to really say, if we're going to grow, and we were at $6 million at the time, so doing the math, that's a million behind my other business. And this 
store had opened back in 2015. So it existed for 10 years longer and it was a million dollars behind where we were in Pennsylvania. And so we had to really, to really look at that because if I was going to have the mindset that I was just a victim of the circumstances and challenges that existed around the restaurant, then that was going to be a recipe for failure. And so you're praying about it, thinking about it and engaging my team. I knew I had to be optimistic and see these challenges as opportunities rather than barriers. And that really paid off as we look at the last three years. So we've added 50% sales to the business. We've gone from six uh, to we'll do about 9.4 this year, had another symbol run in there in 2021 and just really proud of the team and, and what's happened and just that ability to continue to grind when what you've known to work isn't the thing that you can rely on and you've got to look at things differently. I'm, I think our listeners would be really curious to know what were some of those strategic things that you did to, to make those moves there at Crossroads? I mean, that, that sounds like some really big challenges. Um, if someone were facing that right now, what would you suggest were some, some wins that you would kind of offer as advice forward to them? So I think the first really is mindset because your team and your leaders are going to feed off of you. And I think something that I've had to come to realize in this role is just how influential it is. And if I'm going to choose to engage my leaders in such a way that I'm going to complain about our circumstances and the challenges that we're facing, that's going to create that same sort of culture and victim mindset. And it's really going to inhibit any of your leaders team's ability to be optimistic about the possibilities. So that's, that's first. And then, yeah, practically we, got on board with Chick-fil-A delivery very early on. I mean, the pandemic pushed that forward for us and we took and jumped in and said, hey, if we're gonna grow, we've gotta do it in non-traditional ways here. And I had a leader at the time who had a lot of freedom and he was very passionate about it. And he's in the LDP program now. And I attribute a lot of our success around delivery to him and his execution of rolling that out. And, you know, it hasn't been easy. Profitability has been a challenge, something that Chick-fil-A is working hard on, on the support side of things. But where we are today, it's actually one of our more profitable streams of revenue in the business. And it's helped us grow our overall on-demand platform. And in a place where people want Chick-fil-A, but they don't wanna come onto our lot, it's been a great solve in the midst of um, these challenges. And, and so I think, you know, True always talked about taking advantage of unexpected opportunities. And I think this is a prime example and just shows too, like Chick-fil-A's partnership around really helping operators solve challenges. And so, you know, we, we benefited as well from that being an opportunity in the beginning. And, you know, I, I would also say in addition to that, Executing third-party and on-demand orders well has also been something that's helped us. So, you know, shifting focus from the drive-through running so smoothly and building the business that way, 
we wanted to ensure that our drivers or all of our third-party partners have a great experience when they come into the restaurant. And I think the number one thing that they want is they want the food ready so that they're not sitting there waiting. And oftentimes we're beating our drivers, um, you know, as they walk in, the food's already prepared for them. And that's made us a preferred location for a lot of our third-party drivers as well and that desire to generate more business. Oh, wow. So, and I, lo- I love how you see, you know, the third party, those delivery solutions, you know, in, in it, I mean, you're competing against them because you're, you've got cars out there too, right? But you're seeing them as a, as a partner and making their life as easy as possible has made you a preferred, just kind of put you at the front. So what a great perspective about even a perceived competitor, but uh, they're actually a partner in mm. your growth way to go for that. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. That I think some, something that's been helpful there is to recognize that they have some capabilities that we don't because we're that hub and spoke model where the team member has to come all the way back to the restaurant each time to pick up an order. And most of the third party partners, I mean, all of them have that opportunity just to drop off and then go to the closest restaurant. And they're able to reach guests that it doesn't make sense for us uh, in terms of uh, on-time deliveries and who we're able to serve. They're able to go outside of that radius and reach more guests for us as well. You know, channels of sales has really changed for Chick-fil-A over the last several years. You think about traditional channels of dine-in, right? And then maybe carry-out and now, you know, personal carry-out and then you know, of course, the drive-through was added, and that's been a, a historically amazing thing that Chick-fil-A is one at. But now you've got these other, you know, how many channels do you have as you think about sales channels, catering, third-party, OLD, operator-led delivery? What, is there any others that you would add? I think you've covered the majority of them. I, my answer okay. to your question is a lot. A lot. <laughs> and- <laughs> Right. I, you can also add the, the mobile aspect of each of those channels as well. So we do curbside at our location. In addition to dining in and ordering traditionally at the register, you can sit at a table and do mobile dine-in. You can also mobile carry out with us. Uh, and then the least used channel mobile for us is drive through because there's really not an advantage because we don't have an extra lane or a way to really expedite the process for a mobile drive through guest, we just don't see that many because they're really just saving the time that it takes to order. And we have IPOS out all the time. And so they're not saving a ton and they don't see a, a big advantage there. But we do offer every single channel that Chick-fil-A has to offer at this point. Wow. Good deal. And for the... For the non-Chick-fil-A listener, IPOS is the, it, it's the iPads out there where the, the, the team member is taking those orders. So just, just to clarify, IPOS. Well, Corey, it sounds like you've got, you know, you're managing all these channels. You've got tremendous growth. And, you know, we know that growth means added labor. It means more training. It means stronger leadership is required. Uh, and underlying all of that is, uh, trust and that you know we we know that trust is is really a currency that we have to have in the business it's one of the most valuable things that 
uh, organization can have. What are some ways that you um, first engaged and built trust kind of when you first took over this location, but maybe some also some ongoing trust uh, best practices that you use? That's a great question, Jay. And I would say that something unique that happened in this transition for us, I, I took over the restaurant in February of 2020 and all of us remember what was happening oh during that time and right. we didn't know yet i mean it was really like a that was we were blind until about a month later weren't we absolutely just, just developing yeah Go ahead. yeah yeah had no idea that was coming and i really look back on that you know there were obviously many many challenges and, and difficulties around that and i, I don't want to lighten that in any way uh, except to, to say that oftentimes in my life, I've seen the Lord work in mighty ways through challenges. Uh, and for me, that looked like, hey, we've, we've got an opportunity here to engage our team in, in such a way that we could either demonstrate fear in the midst of all of this uncertainty and anxiety or we can demonstrate courage and tackle each day and, you know, take everything that's being thrown at us in stride. And I think what our team really needed during that time was that calm presence from us. You know, I, I think we have heard a couple times now um, from you know, a Navy SEAL that joined us at our Chick-fil-A next gathering when we all got together that the calm is contagious and i think as leaders when we remain calm and and our emotions are in check and we are thinking through things well then we can provide that presence for the team and navigating a challenge like covid becomes easier and clear thinking happens and those sorts of things so when i think about building trust you know i think coming into that situation I felt like I was trustworthy. I had been a manager in a restaurant. I had done the interim management program. I owned and operated a mall unit. And then I had opened a freestanding unit for five years. And I'm like, I have this pedigree and I believe that I'm trustworthy. <laughs> but my team at the time didn't have all that experience with me. And I had to earn their trust. And I think oftentimes that can get confusing for the leader when you feel so trustworthy and you've proven that over time to kind of back up and like, oh, I need to earn this in that moment. And I think trust was sped up just because when you go through something really difficult, your team gets to see who you are quickly. Wow. It's not as easy yeah. to hide who you are. And I think the way that we navigated that time period created a lot of trust and security within our team to recognize that I wanted what was best for them and the business and that they could follow me as a leader in, in my vision for Crossroads in the future. I love that picture, what you just painted. And then what's coming to mind is that, you know, kind of when the world, when, when circumstances or whatever around me are kind of shaky and, and uncertain, that we're looking for a place of stability, like where is their stability? And you, you would tend to gravitate to where there's stability. So for you to have 
and you've mentioned this a couple of times, it's mindset. Like it starts with you that you, you really had to be, you know, grounded in your own stability and then provide that stability for those around you. And it, it accelerated that speed of trust. So great uh, picture that you've painted for all of us. Thank you for that. Mm. What are some ways that you keep that trust going? Now we're, we're post pandemic now, right? We're not that, not that we went back to the way things were in 2019, nothing went back to the way it was in 2019, but what do you do now to build ongoing trust with your team? So I think one thing that I do is try to follow through on all of my commitments and to be a leader of integrity in that way. So I try not to give lip service to commitments that I can't make and to be intentional in following through with different commitments that I make to different leaders. And then really, you know, another thing that I do, I would say is intentionally meeting with my leadership team, giving them time to share what's going on outside of life, uh, but also talking through their different challenges that they're experiencing in the business. And I think as I've built that relationship and demonstrated to them that I care about them personally and not just for the results that they bring to the table, that that's established ongoing trust and built that in different ways. And just this morning I had a leader who was asking me how I was doing and just seeing me in a way, you know, and I started to feel emotional like in this time period, we have a lot going on as a family and the business. And I think he noticed some things in me and we kind of have that established trust for him to be able to ask, you know, really kind of, how are you doing? And that meant a ton uh, just to be seen in that way. And that to me, that's evidence of growing relationships that, you know, have that, that trust foundationally so that we can get into kind of what's going on beneath the surface. What a picture of care, you know, that I know Chick-fil-A in general, the, the idea is we, we want to be the most caring company and that happens, you know, at this macro idea, but it's really a, a micro at a micro level for, for a leader that you have to turn to you and show empathy and care in that moment. I, I, I can see why that was emotional. Uh, but also you have created this culture and environment where that's anticipated, expected and celebrated. So good for you for creating that culture where they were able to turn to you and, and have that transparent moment. Hey, Corey, thanks for, sharing these stories and just the the journey i have a question though and this ends up often being kind of personal but mm -hmm. i'm interested to hear especially for our listeners who are out there maybe they're discouraged maybe they're in in the middle of a a tough moment could you describe a time where at the time it seemed like a failure but that moment ended up propelling you forward mm -hmm. yeah uh, there's so many that come to mind, <laughs> which is <laughs> be encouraging, I think, to all of us because, you know, we see, we do, as you're mentioning, see a lot of growth uh, in our own failure if we're, if we're willing to own it. 
And I think that's, that's really important. I think the opportunity to grow from it comes from humility that, that needs to be there. And if you're, you know, unwilling to acknowledge your own inadequacies and failures, often that just keeps you in that circular pattern there. Um, and I, I think I've been in both places, but one thing that I, I've noticed, and I, I mean, I, I think of myself in the mall, you know, as this leader with a lot of, you know, fear and anxiety early on, we were not making money at the mall. It had never made money or performed. And we were, you know, really in a tough situation as a family. We had two children and a third on the way as I took over that restaurant. And I just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders and that every little decision that I made and how I ran my business was going to determine my future. (laughs) And so I, I just was a leader that was overly critical. And I think my own fears and my own shortcomings were things that were causing me to treat my leaders poorly and to you know, explode in bursts of anger at different times and just really damage the relationship with my team, you know, and I lost a really good leader over it. And and that was really sobering and humbling. And, you know, I hate that that had to happen because uh, of the leader and opportunity that was there. And I mean, that really was a failure, but it, it woke me up at the same time to recognize and and realize that I can be who I am and who I'm called to be and have confidence and and relax in that and that I can equip others to do that. I think part of what I was experiencing was this feeling that I was the one who cared about the business the most. Therefore, I needed to continue to control aspects of the business and systems and the schedule and truck and so many different things that I was fearful to hand off because I didn't have a lot of trust for others and, and their ability to care for the business in the way that I did. And that was hard, uh, you know, but as, as things move forward and, you know, I had a, a good coach at the time that really helped me think through, Hey, when, when you're feeling these things and when there are inadequacies and things you need to address, and you use anger or frustration or demonstrate emotion in proper way like how do you feel really picture what the team is going to to be like after that and recognize that you oftentimes lose that platform to have any influence in a positive direction and you're just cleaning up a mess and i think for me that was really really helpful to think through that and to visualize and understand, to take a deep breath and understand that correction is a part of of what we do. And sometimes people really do need to be pushed and challenged in the right direction, but there's a way to go about that that is much more profitable and helpful to leaders and really demonstrates care. And so those were lessons kind of early on that, I experienced and and something that I found as I started to trust people was just a ton of freedom. You know, initially nobody's going to do it as well as you are. Uh, But if you can help guide and and coach your leaders 
to a place and, and be okay with some of the mistakes that they will make and be a place of encouragement and allow them to kind of move through that J curve of change that we, we like to talk about a lot. This idea that when you take a leap, whatever it is, and I'm talking about delegation in, in this scenario, when you delegate initially, performance is always going to go down and you've got to be okay with that. And if not, your tendency is going to be to grab a hold of whatever you just delegated, take it back, and you're going to do some pretty significant damage to the leader that you are working with. And so understanding that performance is going to decline, but as you work through that bottom part, as you coach, as you teach, as you develop, that leader gets and understands it, and then they're going to improve on their performance as they own something for you, and then you're going to be freed up to focus on something else that, that needs your attention more. And that's just been a worthwhile experience. But it really, really took, you know, going through that entire process to trust it over and over again. And has allowed me so much freedom to do that with every piece of, of my operational business. Thanks for sharing that story. What a, what a transforming story for yourself, just to reflect and see you know, that tough time. And, and again, back to that mindset idea. I now also appreciate you introducing the J curve concept of, you know, we're going to make a change. We're immediately going to see a drop in performance. And part of leadership is kind of managing the bottom of that J curve. And then, but envisioning the upside of, you know, better performance later after we go through the kind of the low spot, there's a, you're kind of casting that vision. Well, it's going to be tough for this moment, but there, it's better on the other side and we're going to increase our performance. And they also, again, are introducing that idea of trust that the, the thing that I heard you say, say in that was I, I added trust to my team and that changed the relationship and helped them through the J curve. So, Thanks for sharing that story. Corey, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your story. I love hearing how, you know, just the, the journey that you've been on and, and especially there at Crossroads, some of the challenges you face. Thanks for helping us understand, you know, that mindset is, is really important. It starts with you. And those are, you know, some huge things that you can add to the organization is really setting the tone for the culture that you're trying to build. So thanks for sharing your story. And so glad to have you on the show. Mm. Thanks, Jay. I really, really appreciate the invite and just your heart and passion for our operators and their team and just the way that that shines through through this podcast and your work with Leaders Q uh, definitely was influential for my team and, and leaders. And we appreciate that. And I continue to hear from my leaders about how this podcast has been influential for them and myself as well. So I just really appreciate your heart for operators and for seeing them uh, as as whole and as people and uh, that need care and support as well. So appreciate what you do. Thank you. Appreciate that, Corey. We'll see you again soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Raines. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment.
See you next time. We would like to note that Leaders Q serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated.